I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show from a cold, wet, wintry Waffle. Waffle is not a word, but it is bloody awful weather here in Ireland. I know some of you are listening from Australia, and bloody hell am I jealous of you. Everybody here in Ireland wants to be in Australia right now. It has been horrendous here. We've even had a red storm warning in the last few days. It's nuts. It's literally not some days. It has pissed down, like bucketing down non-stop you, you wouldn't see daylight for fucking days like even though i know there's daylight out there but you wouldn't see the sun for days oh my god but i'm not here to moan am i <laughs> no i'm here to sympathize with all the other individuals who are listening to this and they're commuting to work or they're in the office fair fucking play to you i've said it before i'll say it again we should be fucking hibernating like all the other animals do it's fucking rough. It's just, uh, there's days where it just seems to be dark all day. And, believe it or not, if you're listening from this, listening to this from outside of Ireland, there's a flu crisis at the moment. It's literally made the news. There's too many people are getting sick and getting the flu that the hospitals are under pressure. Would you believe that? I don't think anyone's escaped it, and I certainly haven't. My daughter has survived croup anyway. And still has a little bit of a cough. But she's in good form. She's a tough little cookie. So thank God she's fine. But I got hit with it last week. And man, have I been paying for it. The first few days were rough. That I had that little bit in the back of my throat. When you're like... (coughs) Trying to get this bit of phlegm up the whole time. But then I couldn't sleep for a whole night. Because I constantly... (coughs) Then you you just... You think you've just about nodded off. And you wake up... (gasps) Panicking because you think your fucking esophagus is closing over. But then the symptoms got bad and they came out. But that's good, you know, when they when they get bad and you get the head cold and you get the stuffy nose and all that. Because you can start to steam your head and blow it all out and cough it all up. But what I didn't realize is the reason, the thing that I'm suffering most from is like all those bad symptoms. Like the cough is still there, but it's almost gone. And the sinus issues have completely gone. But the worst bit is... I seem to have absolutely no energy at all. And man, does that hurt when you're on stage and performing. Oh, it is rough. I was down in City Limits in Cork on Saturday night, headlining the show down there. And it was great. But, you know, I was a couple of minutes in and realizing, Jesus Christ, I haven't got a lot in the tank here. Then I started to get the little tickle in the back of my throat and start (laughs) coughing every time I said a word. I don't think the audience knows because I tried to fob it off and 
do silly stuff and continue to drink my water. But man, it was close a few times to me having to run off stage and have a cough. It wasn't well. The thing about when your energy is so low as a comic or just in performing in general is that you can't fake that smile on your face to make it the show joyous or whatever. And it's just they had the the audience had a good show, but there was just you know I was lacking in that. I did I did cherry comedy on Monday, same thing. It just haven't got the energy. I think the energy just stops the smile from going on your face. But what can I do? Just try and get more and more sleep. If you're suffering from it yourself, do the garlic and honey. I know this sounds ridiculous, but when we were kids, we bought my mom a book called The Little Garlic Book, which has all the health benefits of garlic. So when my brother had an earache, we'd literally, he'd have to go over on his side, we'd peel him off a raw clove of garlic, dip in some olive oil, stick the clove of garlic in his ear. I know it sounds stupid, but then the olive oil would drip into his ear and honestly it would cure his earache. But for a chesty cough, to relieve the stuff in your chest, we used to have garlic and honey, and we still do, and it works. I know I stink. <laughs> but it works, I'm telling you. Get two cloves of garlic, raw, chop them up fine, and mix them up with two tablespoons of honey. I'm telling you, take, and then over the course of the day, take like maybe three times a day, take a teaspoon of, of that concoction, and man, does it get rid of it. I'm telling you, trust me, it works. And I know it's a cliche, but plenty of fluids. Drink, 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 drink. Because it does kind of seem to process that virus through your system much quicker. There you go. Stephen's health tips for uh, winter of 2019. So yeah, I'm out the other side. And I apologize. I know I sound a bit nasally. And on this podcast coming up, I just I listened back to some of it for editing and there was like, oh God. I sound like shit. Not only am I nasally, but I can you can hear my energy is down. So I can only apologize. I'm just going through this patch at the moment and there's literally nothing I can do about it. I just have to rest up and I'm trying because I'm getting frustrated at myself and now it's I'm at the point of like, oh fuck it, there's nothing I can do. You just gotta ride the wave, man, you know? It is frustrating when you're trying to work and um, you haven't got the energy to do it, but you just got to gotta embrace where you're at, man. So, all I'm saying is, everybody out there listening, in work, having a shit time, but look after yourself. This weather and this sickness, it's not good for your fucking mental health either. Therapy, thanks for asking everybody. It's going great. We had some great, uh, I wouldn't say great breakthroughs, but you know, Enlightenments, maybe that's maybe too big a word, but just a couple of things she said last week were just brilliant. It was like, yeah, a concrete wall around my heart to block emotions. I was like, oh, very good. So she's impressed, although she keeps laughing. I don't know what it is, but some sometimes somebody knows you're a comedian, then they just laugh at things you say when you're not trying to be funny. And she's laughed a few times in the middle of a session. I'm like, I wasn't joking there, and then she you know, goes straight back to a straight face. But it's going good. Thanks for asking. And God bless all of you out there who are doing it yourselves. It's a good thing. It's good to talk. Today's podcast is the absolutely wonderful, talented, and brilliant person that is Elva Trill. Now, some of you will know her and some of you will not know her. I hadn't seen Elva for years since we'd been in the factory together, which was this film... um, making place where there was an actor studio and there was loads of us just doing learning how to act in front of camera and it's amazing how people have gone all their different ways like some of those guys are literally in Hollywood like doing Hollywood shit now it was only six or seven years ago 
and we all went our different ways and I hadn't seen Elva since then I think and then I was watching my favourite TV show Line of Duty if you haven't seen that check it out on Netflix what is TV show that is my favourite TV show of recent times easily Line of Duty it's an amazing cop show in 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 the UK and then all of a sudden in the middle of an episode who pops up Elva Trill and then we reconnected on Instagram and it turns out that she's not just killing it at the acting but she's gone back to music she's in a band the city and us you have to check them out on spotify the city and us and i started listening to this i'm like oh my god what a voice what a singer as well and a songwriter so this conversation is fantastic because we have the connection with regards our past and the things that (coughs) excuse me the things that we have in common like the acting and performing and stuff like that but what this com- why I love this conversation. It's the kind of com- conversation that I always wanted to have when I started the podcast where it just kind of got deep and philosophical and interesting and talking about the challenges that we're going through and <coughs> like coughing when you're trying to record on a podcast. But the challenges you go through as a performer and the challenges you go through in life and, you know, we tackle all these notions that we'll have of ourselves of like making it and and what is that and performance anxiety which i know a lot of people think oh for fuck's sake that's not a thing but it's not even what you think it is it comes how it comes from a really complex and weird place and navigating your way in an industry that is so uncertain and sometimes people think you're doing great and actually you know you're in the middle of a really tough time and elva gets me to open up about something that i've never talked about uh before but the first time i got sacked from a tv show i got fired and how that happened and the circumstances in which that happened and how that was all a bit weird. But anyway, it's a fascinating conversation. And because it kind of feels that like we were only getting started, so we're definitely going to have Elva back on the show. But do go to Spotify and check out The City and Us. Honestly, you'll have a better day for listening to it. The tunes are fantastic. The, the singing is beautiful. They are going to be gigging back in Ireland because they're all over the place, they're in the UK, they do Europe and all that, but they're going to be gigging in February, on the 22nd of February, in Lost Lane. So do check them out, check them out on Spotify, and go check them out, and they have a new single coming out in January as well, that Elva was telling me about, so you can check them up on YouTube as well, they've got some great music videos and all that kind of stuff. But for now, to entertain you, to keep you going through your week, I'm delighted to introduce you a wonderful person, and please do enjoy this episode. Oh, shit. Before I do that, I'm going to change the format of the podcast over the next while. So if there's anyone else that you'd like to hear on the podcast, please do get in touch at Hello Stevo um, on Instagram or Stephen Mullen Comedy on Facebook. Um, I'm going to do a couple of new, different ideas on the podcast and change up the format a little bit, keep things interesting, you know. So I'd love to hear your feedback. What would you like to hear? Is there anyone you would like to hear uh, coming on to the show? And um, if you're on iTunes, if you're listening to this, please subscribe. Please do give a rating or leave a comment if you like it or, you know, on Facebook or whatever. Or whatever. If you're listening on Spotify, take a screenshot, put it on Instagram, on your Instagram stories and tell people about the podcast. <coughs> Tell them I give tips for coughing. (laughs) But do spread the word about the show. You can follow Elva on Instagram at Elva Trill. I'll put all the links to Spotify and to her Instagram in the bio so you can click them and have a look straight away. 
But in the meantime, this is a fantastic ex- episode and you're really going to enjoy the wonderful Elva Trill. You're a professional, you know about all these microphones and all this kind of stuff that a lot of other people don't. Well, I don't know. When I sound check, I still find it very embarrassing to sound check because you have to sort of, it's really repetitive and people are always like staring at you because they're trying to get your levels. Yes. And so it's like one, two, one, two, three, you f- check, You find check. it embarrassing to sound check? I do, yeah, because you're you're essentially making silly noises and trying to, you're trying to get the... Get the, the tone, levels the to levels. spike a bit, just to the. And do they not just let you go away and sing something, or do they have to go? <laughs> Normally, yeah. Well, it starts with a bit of a, a mic check, and then they'll do. Oh, like so you'll have to do the one two one two. You have to do the God. one two. I can't get away from the one two one two. It's the worst for the drummer, isn't it? Yeah, well, he, he my, our drummer would definitely agree. <laughs> He's like the poor man. It's so boring. I've done because I yeah I've done, but my brother used to have to always do it in the band and just like dun yeah. dun dun. It's always the same. Working. But even like he just has so much gear. Yeah. And he, you know, he says all the time, he's like, you know, singers just have it so easy because we just have to show up and just do a little mic check. Whereas he has rakes of gear, cymbals that like they're yeah. really heavy stuff yes, to be carrying yeah. around. And uh, and you're swanning in. That's the thing. Lay after he's done the sound check, <laughs> you're swanning in. That's what's going on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then swan off the stage. And just for some a bit of mystery, sometimes I'm like, ah, I can't go back on now after that. That was such a good gig. I don't want to go back on now and like, you know, disassemble your gear. <laughs> I need to stay off this stage. Jesus Christ. <laughs> are you that person? Are you? No, I don't want to ruin the vibe, you know. I'm not <laughs> People think I'm a fucking rock star. You can do your own symbols. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I have to make more of an effort now. I have to actually go above and beyond to be like, can I help with anything? Yes, yeah. But Even though I wouldn't know where to start. Yeah. Where did you start in the singing? Because I remember when we first met, well, we'll have to get into how we did meet in the factory and all that stuff. But I do remember you saying to me at that time that you used to live in London, if I'm not correct. Yeah, lived yeah, for, there for correct. a year. Yeah, I remember you had a little brief comment because I was talking about moving to London. You had been there and you'd been there for music. Yeah. And was it a different project? Totally. Right, okay. Yeah. I was in college and then I left. What, where were you in college? I did performing arts and DIT. Oh, right. And it's actually... I was very ashamed of the the truth, which was that I it was a three year course and I left after two. You were ashamed of that. Totally, yeah. For a really long well, how's time. How's this for you? I got in, I didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually even better. I feel like <laughs> you were dedicated to it. <laughs> um, I did apply, and yeah, I, yeah. I just just you mentioned that and realized I had applied, and then yeah, I don't know, because I always used to say, oh, I, I you know, I, I had, I did a, a bachelor of arts degree. Yes. It's like, well, I didn't finish it, but I never told anyone that. Right. Um. Why was that a source of shame to you? Just was. I just felt like I had one year to do and I just yeah. didn't do it. And and it what was, was the reason? There was other interests and things you want to go off and do your own thing or oh, do you know, it was like it, fuck college? It was it was a lot of fuck college and I just, the routine of it actually drove me a bit insane. Right. Now, in saying that, I do crave routine, but mm. there was just to to be within a certain, com- like you're, you're confined to perform, mm. which doesn't make sense. And, and you had to do like, things you know dance the rope yeah <laughs> I, I still don't understand so like someone in the class would throw the rope and they'd say right interpret that now into a dance yeah and i that's that's a different yeah that's <laughs> like that's forcing um yeah. i understand what you mean because there's a there's a di- when you when we crave routine as artists you kind of like you but you kind of have to be the creator of your routine as well don't you you kind of do or at least have a certain amount of freedom so even though i have to be in there from eight to four 
can I have a little bit of freedom to actually create something? Yeah. Which is why I didn't go to Trinity. I got um, accepted in, but it was the same year that they had taken away the practical side of it. Right. So I. So just, what was in Trinity? The same course? It was the same. It was performing arts, but it was uh, like more critical analysis and more like in-depth um, uh, an- analysis of scripts and that kind of thing. So yes. actually getting up on your feet and doing something. Yeah. That wasn't there that year. Okay. Yeah. So you're like, that's not the way your brain works then. No, it doesn't, I don't mm. think. And then, um, so, f- you know, with personal stuff then as well, I just thought I just needed to get out of Ireland. I feel like it was just, I was just very smothered. And then, so I went to London and realized that the world is, is much tougher <laughs> than, <laughs> than little old Ireland was at yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, And I had this dream that I was going to, um, I had a demo and I was going to just sort of, hang around the spots that Simon Cowell was going to like right. frequent and just hand it to him and be like, hey, <laughs> that's not what happened. <laughs> yeah. London's tough, tougher than that. All right. That's for sure. Yeah, it is. So when you were doing the performing arts, you, you obviously apply. You have a dream of becoming an actor at that point or? Yeah, I always kind of wanted to do acting. Right. Yeah. And where's, so where does the singing come into it at that point? I had done singing along the, along the way and I had been in a band, a couple of different bands since I was maybe 16 or 17. Right, so this is back in Sligo. Yeah, and then I moved to Dublin, obviously, for college. And then I, you know, I had a boyfriend that was a musician at the time. And he had, you know, session musicians that he'd worked with all the time. And right. We'd, we'd uh, record, you know, and I recorded a demo. And I had three songs or four songs on it. And yeah, I was really proud of them because I'd written them myself, which was sort of a really cool uh, experiment because I wasn't sure whether I could. I always knew I liked to sing, but mm. I, I um, to write songs is actually incredibly therapeutic as you can imagine absolutely you know you write your your stuff for stand-up and stuff like well, that where i started out artistically was writing songs oh no yeah it's yeah. the first thing i ever did and uh when i was um i think the first one was i must have been 18 i couldn't have turned 90 yeah i was 18 and it I was it, it was my uh, <laughs> my counselor <laughs> at the time yeah at the time his son had started something and i don't know how it came up i don't know why it came up but he invited me over to their family home yeah and he had he since went on and had like a career as a musician all that and he had a little four track cassette tape thing and i would write songs and he would just record me and <laughs> put it on a cassette tape at the time yeah and um <laughs> they were the most depressing songs ever <laughs> same same <laughs> but it's like you got to start somewhere you know yeah and they're actually easier to write for me anyway mm. i can't i I'm, i can write upbeat songs but i find it very it's much more difficult and at that time, so then was singer-songwriter's style kind of thing? And do you play guitar as well? or? So um, I tinker, but I don't play live. Mm. Um, yeah, and I have a keyboard and I kind of, I know I know the gist of what I'm trying to, to do. You'll find your way around a melody, basically. It's kind of more poetry that sort of finds its way into some melodic territory. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so now um, I'm in a band called The City and Us. I know. It's, you're kind of ripping it up it's kind of amazing well you know it's funny because you know it, there's obviously stages and i think we're we're still in a very early stage yeah. um and there is no disputing that you know we have uh, we have a single coming out though in january so that'll kind of What's be a called? different stage uh, the one we've decided to go with is confused okay because it kind of represents our state of minds right so. fair enough <laughs> But that should be fun, and uh, so the city and us. How did that? How did that come about? Because like w- when we met, you weren't, as far as I'm aware, doing anything musically at all. No, I had actually given it up. I, I decided, right. yeah, it was too. Because it's, I mean, it's, it's four musicians, um, all trying to be on the same page, and up to this point, it was really difficult. I found to 
to be, you know, to any four people to be on the same page, but especially creatively and also uh, to have the schedule to be able to do this. Of course. And everyone has to fit in other things to keep them going. Um, so I always found that really tedious because I was always the one in the band that was just, I, I would bleed for this. Okay. And there was always someone else kind of saying, oh, you know, but it is just a bit of fun. And I'm like, it absolutely is not. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is, this is. Get your shit together. Get yeah. your shit together. Yeah. Um, but so the, so City and Us was going before? No, we, so. Given up so Mark Hogan is the other, he's the front man, essentially. We're doing dual vocals. So he plays guitar and he sings. Which is, uh, I mean, if you guys haven't, I'm, I'm going to put all the links up to this podcast and all that kind of stuff by the way, but it's stunning. It's beautiful. The sound of that is stunning. And it reminds me in on one level of I did sound years ago for a band called Ham Sandwich. Oh, yeah. Who do dual vocals. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was It's Podge and Neve, I think is her name. Um, yeah. And uh, it was beautiful. But they're of a very different genre to what, what you guys are doing. There's a very different vibe going on. Yeah, I guess we're, I guess we're pop rock synth or whatever. Yes. It's hard to very, sort of yeah. kind of change. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to think what genre as well, but I'm like, <laughs> and because there's, there's, you've done some different stuff as well. There, you know, there's some real different sounds going on within the songs and all yeah. that stuff as well. Well, we started out writing, right, so Mark Hogan was in a band called Hogan. And so he um, is a phenomenal songwriter. And he his method is to start quite acoustic. Like he writes everything on an acoustic guitar. And... Um, we decided then when we all got together to build it from that. So that's sort of how these songs are, are being born are being born they're yeah. they're from an acoustic sort of um beginning and then we're adding as we go which i i think is probably a common way to write yeah, um, yeah. but so mark was in that band and then he we had been friends for years we had met really randomly so is this in dublin or in sligo uh mark's actually from offaly right okay but he was touring doing quite nice tours like he was touring uh, europe and right. china and he was doing really well. He had a number one for one one summer for like five weeks or something like that. Oh, it was like a what big was that called? No, no, no. Okay. Um, is, is he in the band Two Unlimited? No. <laughs> Do you remember that song? No. <laughs> yeah. That's 1992, I think, yeah. or 93. Showing no, 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 no. Okay. You said we're not. <laughs> Show my age. And here we are, Steve. <laughs> So, uh, so he, right, so he's touring around. So he was touring around, and then he decided that, um, oh no, I'll tell you what it was, and this is actually quite fun. Um, so I was doing a job, I was, I was like a, a small character on Line of Duty, and I got this phone call to say... I was going to say, sorry, I didn't, now you've skipped the fuck, because oh. I was going to bring this up later on. Oh, sorry, But sorry. I'm completely hooked on this show, Line <laughs> of Duty. You guys seen Line of Duty, the fuck, it's the only series I've watched since, I think, Breaking Bad, like, so I haven't watched anything in years. Yeah. Hooked on Line of Duty... And fucking Elva <laughs> turns up in the middle of a scene. It's like, Jesus Christ, And Elva. it was probably the first character you saw me do where I wasn't, like, the murderer or right. the murdered. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you were brilliant in it. Oh, well, it's only small. It is only small. But well, it's they a, say there's, there's no a, small parts, right? There's a few, but you're in a few scenes parts. and you're, like, you, you were in the in the office at one point, the main, well, it's not the office, the wrong, but, like, the, the centre of fucking Scotland Yard station. or whatever they call it. <laughs> yeah, but it's such an iconic space, that, that place. <laughs> And uh, you, 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 were, you were fantastic in it, yeah. To be honest, it was the most fun I've ever had on set, I feel like. Really? Yeah, because the, car the actual actors are the funniest people I've ever met. 
the, and is that to alleviate? It must be to alleviate the the heaviness of the content that they're doing all the I time. I think so. Yeah. yeah. There's this. There's a scene that we. I w- I'm standing. I don't even know if I have lines in it, but we're all standing outside, and I'm talking to two of the main guys. And I would forgive me for not knowing the. I haven't. I haven't watched. I watched season one and loved it, and then once I was in it, I can't watch it. Um, oh, you say but I, I will. I'll go I back. I can tell you the characters either. I can't remember. I'll go back and watch. <laughs> yeah. But do you know, like when you when you must know that when you're kind of in something, you're like. You've no interest in watching it. Yeah, yeah. because you're you're afraid or something because you're like, oh. Well, I don't know if it's... I, I feel like... Here's what I think it might be from my end is that I've no interest in it because I've seen all the buildings of it. Yeah. That if I'm going to watch it, I'm not going to... I'm not on any level going to go... Oh my god, this is such a great movie because yeah. I've just seen all the th- all the work that's gone in behind the scenes. Exactly, it's like the magic is gone. I enjoy eating the cake, but I'm not interested in the you making of it. Is that <laughs> is that the metaphor? <laughs> Um, that's a good one but like if I was in this stupid movie called Love Rosie and I get texts random texts yeah. all the time from around the world oh in- my god you're in Love Rosie Instagram never watched it yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I know nuts. the feeling I know the feeling um, right so where was I so sorry Line of Duty <laughs> was somehow how you met Mark Hogan oh no I got a phone call I was on the train on the way up to Belfast to shoot that and I got a phone call to say that someone had been in touch with him because we had uploaded a 50 second um, clip of us singing two of us kind of doing a um, like an acoustic arrangement of this right. song, and would we would we be interested in supporting a band that was going to do um, really nice venues like the Olympia? Right. Oh, beautiful. So that was our first show. <laughs> <laughs> but we had oh my God. we had like four. Well, as a band, we'd done an acoustic set with these guys um, in England, a couple of places in in England, and then. The, the opportunity came to, well, do you want to do the Olympia? It's the final date on the tour for these guys. Do you want to do the support? And we were like, absolutely. So just you and Mark? So be- you know, that's what the management said. Then, you know, you're going to need to probably find a drummer. Beef and it up. You're going to need to beef up the sound because right. it's such a big venue. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, so we had about four or five weeks, or maybe less, to get band members and also to to write songs that suited us that we could all be involved in to write songs and right. tracks because we don't have we don't have a bassist and, right. and the whole shebang so we you know it was a lot to get done yeah and uh, we nearly lost our um <laughs> our mm. one of our guitar players because he's like if this is if this is what it's gonna be like okay. the stress of it like okay. we had you know just so much to get done but anyway when we did the show we were like wow this could work we could all be do this together and so we've been together ever since. That was us. So were you guys all based in Dublin? Is that how that worked? Or are you guys all over the place? Or? It's Maynooth, Athai, uh, wherever the hell I am at the time, and Offaly. Right. So we're Goodness all... Goodness me. Yeah, but we And where's the central rehearsal meeting point? Or? Maynooth for rehearsing okay. and Athai for the studio because we're lucky to have um, a studio at, right. our, at our disposal. So you are travelling a lot. A lot, yeah. Yeah, you're on the road. You're living the life of a comic, basically, fucking on it's the road all the time. probably exactly yeah, the same, yeah, yeah. 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 That's nuts. Yeah. So how do you find the, the, the balancing of the life, or do you even see it that way, between being a performing singer and yeah. being an actor? And uh, is there any point of you going, you know, I need to focus on this more or focus on that more? Um, yeah, there's... Well, the biggest thing is, it's funny, if you said to me, I need you to get on stage and perform a character or a monologue I'd be so nervous but getting up and singing isn't that nerve-wracking for me Mm. I don't know whether it's the fact that you're well obviously I'm up there with other people but even if I was in a play with other people I'd find that much more nerve-wracking than getting up and singing 
I don't know why, because technically it should be the other way around, because if you're nervous when you're singing, it's kind of, it's really hard to hold a note. You know, whereas yeah. you can kind of bluff it when you're acting, because yeah. you're just saying words, yeah, yeah, <laughs> which yeah, is yeah. what we're designed to do. <laughs> 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 so that's the biggest difference, I feel. I, I, I still haven't gotten to the bottom of why that's the way it is. Yeah. Do you think it's because when you get up there and start singing, that... Because I get what you mean when we are we the band for like for a year and a half and there's definitely all the anticipation and the nerves beforehand and because yeah. I played guitar while I was singing and That's hard. you'd fluff a you know <laughs> try to do a, a bit a bit of lead guitar and it's <laughs> like well let the other fellow over here do that bit now yeah um but but once it starts it seems with the singing mm. it's just like you're in another place anyway yeah and maybe it's the actual music itself yeah that too that's yeah. filling you with adrenaline or yeah yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. But I, speaking of nerves, I mean, I have suffered hugely with nerves. Okay. Um, in general, in life? No, for a long time, I think my biggest fear was that I was going to forget a line. And then I realized, actually, do you know what? I'm pretty good at learning lines, which is, you know, I, did, I never thought that I could say that yeah. when I started out. So this is for acting only or you're worried about forgetting a line? Yeah. Right. Well, I suppose it probably runs into two of them, but more so <laughs> acting because you're just standing there. You know? Yeah. Um, and I remember, I don't know how I programmed it or maybe it was subconscious, but I just started to get panic attacks more frequently and really bad ones. Like they got really, really bad. They're not nice, are oh, they? Do you have them as well? I mean, I've had, I uh, this time a year ago, I had a couple of bad episodes that was just like... How how did they manifest in you? What happened? Um, it, I Crying and yeah. um, not being able to breathe mm. and having to keep people in another... Like I can't... Uh, I had to lock myself in the back. I'm talking about this now. <laughs> <laughs> in the, in that particular one, it used to happen years ago when there was drug issues and that was kind right. of a different, but but uh, recently it's been, um, uh, I locked myself, that, that time when it happened a year ago because it hasn't happened since, but it, it was just like, can't breathe and lock myself in the bathroom and hyperventilating. Yes. I don't know, I don't know, how, you can't really explain that feeling, can you? But it's you're kind of, <laughs> it's just the scariest like that. thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can't live and not breathe. Yes. <laughs> so you think you're dying so and yeah. then one thing leads to another and you're, and it's funny that you your heart is fucking yeah. pounding. Yeah. 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 And and it, maybe it is to do with drug use or, you know because you know how sometimes you can kind of well they say that sometimes if you've taken something in the past it might have just your neural pathways might have just yes. changed somehow or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what my reasoning is, but um it just came out of the blue. Like I was only having I had done I was having like a couple of meetings in London with agents and I had done the week before six auditions in the space of five days. Right. And I was grand. Absolutely Which fine. Which is good because that's like that's quite high that's intensity a, pressure. Each yeah. one of those meetings causes a lot of stress. Yes. And you have to prepare. Yeah. And very, all the yeah, lines. All the and lines. All the, lines all all the stuff. Yeah. And, and also, you know, you're, when you're in person, it's like, oh, I hope they like me. Exactly. Or whatever. All or whatever. That stuff, yeah. Or at least at you least wanna, You want to work. You want to get a job. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then I went back the next week and it was really casual. It was just one meeting, no audition. It was just going to go in and have a chat with these two uh, two agents in the one office. And I got in there and we were talking about Snowden at the time and how our laptops and um, stuff were listening to us. And for some reason, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm sitting there having a laugh. This is grand, like me and you right now. And just like that, in the first meeting. ever panic attack. Oh, wow. And I, and I was like, okay, hold it together. You're going to get sick. 
from fright because I got such a fright that this happened to me now. I was like, okay, I'm I'm, I'm going to pass out. No, you're not. You're not going to pass out. You're going to be sick. Okay. I was like trying to source the bin. I was like, do I run for the toilet? No, because that's going to be worse oh and even God. more embarrassing. In the middle of trying to hold a conversation. And I'm still somehow being able to conduct a conversation about how this one time I was talking about an advert and then the advert came up on my phone and I'm like, you're going to be sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I did it. So eventually I just said, you know what, guys? I I think I I'm, I must have eaten something funny. I, I just I, something's just come over me, and I just had to say. But but I'll tell you, as as scary as that was, it was not as scary as now for the first time ever, feeling like I'm not in control of when this is going to happen. Okay. How I'm going to handle it, and this is only a meeting. What if I'm on set? Yes. What if I'm on stage? Yeah. And my whole world felt like it was crumbling because I was like I've never wanted to do anything else other than perform and how am i supposed to do that if this is how it's making me feel yeah so the second one i had and i definitely manifested it through um being worried about it was when i was on set on a movie and we were in romania and i was going through a bad patch with my boyfriend anyway so i think it was all building for sure yeah and i'm stand like we'd done the i'd met everybody I'd had the makeup done, the hair, the costumes on, and I'm grand. I'm like, okay, you're fine. And then this man comes and says, five minute warning, five minute call, whatever, you know. So he brings me down to the closer to the set, and I have one. Starts this this feeling starts again, which is can't breathe, going to fall, not sure how long I'm going to be co- unconscious for, but I'll definitely be unconscious for right. a while. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. five. And uh, at the same time going, okay, I, I actually rang my mother and I was like, I I need you to book me a flight home. I can't do this job. I can't do it. I wow. can't do it. And she said, yes, you can. You've worked your whole life for this. You have to do this. Because if you walk off that set today, you'll never get on another one. If you can't get through today, you will not trust yourself to do this again. And you're going to sabotage your entire career. So, I know, right? I know. So anyway, um, we start filming. Just actually before we started filming, I said that right. The only thing, the only thing that my my and I'd never heard of this as a as a tactic to sort of calm yourself down. But you know how they kind of check you and they kind of like they fiddle around with your and your your clothes and all that, your clothes and everything. I put my hand on the stranger's shoulder, who's like putting something on me and I just started between my thumb and my index finger just um rubbing the material on their shoulder right and I said this this is the only thing that's going to stop me from falling down so do they know that something's going on here nobody Nobody knows anything and to this day when I still talk to the people because we're friends now and I say you know that was the scariest experience of my life and they're like we had no idea yeah yeah. no clue that that was happening and that's that's what's scary too is that you can be literally in turmoil Mm. And everyone around just just hasn't, a clue. hasn't got a clue. That's a fascinating. <laughs> I like your honesty on it though, because I I did have the same thing myself and did go through with it, mm. but felt that because nobody knew and because I didn't tell anybody, yeah, I kind of felt a little bit of a well, fuck you guys, <laughs> little yeah. little bit, and because I'd been vulnerable in the scene that we had to do, and that was that was that was a big like I'm never doing this again. Really, for you? Yeah, yeah, and I haven't. I don't think I've done anything. I did. I was kind of uh, cajoled into doing a play mm. 
um, in the Dublin Theatre Festival by my How agent. does someone con- cajole you well, into doing a my play? Fucking, I can't bad. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> I love my agents and and um, I, I have been difficult for them. I, I get that because um, I've been all over the place because they signed me on the basis of the factory. Yeah. They see me in the factory and then I left <laughs> the country <laughs> and they're like, great, well, that went well. And I was like, I was going to make it in London but it didn't work out and then I started coming back from London saying I'm a comedian. Sign me on your comic books, and they're yes. like, Jesus Christ. But look how that's working out. Well, it's going somewhere anyway, but they could, ju- but basically, they wanted me to do this play, and I was like, no, I was like, offered a play, and I was like, I'm not, I think that they've got the wrong guy here. <laughs> like, it's, um, and I, did, I, did, I didn't really, well, I didn't really audition for it, like, you know, and yeah. it was all about they really wanted me for play. And the last time somebody wanted me for something like that without auditioning, I ended up getting booted off the job. <gasps> and that was mortifying, you know. Have you talked about that before? No, not on this. Well, what happened Would was, you like to? <laughs> <laughs> well, what happened was um, I basically got offered a job mm-hmm. in, in this gig, which obviously you have to be careful now, I can't be naming names, but I had to speak another language and in, oh. in the thing. And because they'd seen me do a short film where I spoke German in it, mm-hmm. they thought, oh, this guy would be able to speak Irish, no problem. Right. I haven't a fucking word of it. I didn't do school. I've m- way more Spanish than I, I have Irish. School. I didn't, but I like I don't have a junior <laughs> cert. Like you know, I mean, I wasn't. Yeah. So and we moved around so much that when you move around, the Irish, the dialect is different in the different yeah. schools and all that. So yeah, I yeah. kind of clocked out of Irish after primary school. Me too, to be honest. <laughs> and um, and our good friend Fionn was playing my brother in this scene that we were doing. Right. And I'd le- I had learned all the lines. But but what this director didn't realize when I did the German thing, I think if a German guy watched that, they'd be like, "That is fucking god awful." <laughs> but all I had was a recording of this German teacher helping me mm. with all the lines, and before each take, I would just listen to it again <gasps> and do it. You see? Oh, that sounds so stressful. Yeah, it was a bit, but <laughs> but on the basis of that, this guy thinks that I'll be great at languages, so I'll just book him for this Irish film. It'll be no bother to mm. him. And uh, but he's a native Irish speaker from mm. the West as well, probably. So he was disgusted when I turned <laughs> up on set. <laughs> Saying what I was saying, I had all the words off, but I just couldn't. Um, I couldn't. He's like, it has to be better. It has to be better. He, after the first take, and I was like, oh. we're in the middle of nowhere. Oh, we've been sitting around on set all day. We didn't get to shoot till ten o'clock in the night. Mm-hmm. And my mate Fion was like, "You'll be grand. You'll be grand." He kept talking me through. Kept talking me through. You'll be grand. And he run the lines, run the lines. We ran, ran the lines more than I'd ever done in my life. <laughs> and um, he wasn't happy. They started cutting the script to bits to make me basically say yes and no. Like, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and so then I was driven home that night and I was supposed to fly back to London, back to my day job. And the following week, we were supposed to shoot in the north of England and got the call from my agent going, yeah, you're struggling a bit with the language, aren't you? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, look. And it didn't come through them originally, yeah. to be fair to them. And I said, look, you're going to get paid. It's all right, but we'll just leave it at that. And I was just so mortified. Of course. Absolutely mortified. Of course you were. That I didn't fucking do anything. I don't think I've been on TV or film since, actually. Has it put you off? Yeah, there was that experience and and a number of other things. But I, I think what the panic attacks, because I had a panic attack before a job as well, and I was mm-hmm. Googling YouTube videos. One guy did... um. <laughs> actor did a brilliant video on like he had panic attacks all the time and mm. he was kind of breaking it down and I tried to because I did Eamon de Valera in Rebellion and I nearly didn't turn up to set one day the same type thing you know really Stephen so um, I think it's a I don't know if it's the same for you but it, it's I think it's um, oh, I'd lost it there the, the, the emotional uh, bearing of oneself <laughs> and not in a, in a safe place 
Oh, uh, well, if it's not a safe place, then, yeah, that's it's tenfold then. And then the, the mortification of the after. And I wonder, is that what training is? Because people who do drama school and all that kind of stuff seem to know how to turn that on and turn that off. Yeah, maybe. And yeah. And, and I kind of wonder, is, like that, is that what we missed out on? <laughs> well, I don't know, because I, I only saw Shia LaBeouf talk about this recently, where he was saying that when he, he has the kind of a, I guess, an imposter syndrome, because he didn't get taught this craft or yes. whatever that if he turns up on set and what he is delivering isn't the goods, he doesn't have the the, the tools then yes. to go into his trailer or whatever yeah, and go and rearrange it yeah. or, f- you know, sort of... Uh, <laughs> I don't know how he said it, but it was basically like... Um, uh, re- whitt- whittle re- a weapon out yeah, of, re- out re- of something. Yeah, readjust or... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe I don't I don't know I just uh, well I but on the other on the flip side of that the reason that they want you is because you are raw and because you have this emotion that you can't get from some people who do train maybe. and they do and they and all you see is technique then you know I yeah it's know. funny I mean I do you know what it's and that is I know it, uh, that's what I look for too when I'm watching movies I, people can't watch films with me anymore and I don't blame them because if, <laughs> if I'm not because you see everything uh, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I can't help but point it out and it's I know it's annoying and I, I annoy myself but I'm also like when I watched The Joker I was just so riveted and just watching these moments and to be honest it, when you can make De Niro look like <laughs> yeah. just this this person who who's I don't know, inorganic or something. Yeah. When you're next to him, you're doing something right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he, it was just visceral. Did you find that it was very I did. I did love it, uh, but I don't, I still don't think it's as good, and I could be biased, I don't think that performance is as good as his performance in The Master. Yeah, I. but his performance in The Master was stunning. Um, I just, I thought from a complexity point of view and from, uh, yeah, it was. Just, um, I think maybe just because that's a better film, maybe, maybe yeah. that's what it is, you know. Um, but yeah. it was unbelievable. It was. But, I mean, jeez, we, we're half an hour in and we haven't even talked how we bloody met in the first place, <laughs> which is like, I didn't think we'd go that long talking about... Because the I weird place... we go deep. The, pla- the, place where we, the place where we met was the factory, which mm-hmm. doesn't exist anymore. No, it's Bow Street um, now, Bow Street. It's Bow Street Acting Academy. Acting Academy. But it bloody wasn't an acting academy when we were there, was it? <laughs> it was a refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel in the vibes of it now, actually, because my toes are, are cold. <laughs> but it was it was it was freezing. It was. We used to have hot water bottles strapped to our <coughs> stomachs and. Oh, you guys used to have to do it. Very smart. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have layers of socks and jackets on, and. Yeah. Basically, it's this building down in Barrow Street that has now been completely taken over by Google, which is quite sad. And this building called the factory was quite historic and beautiful from loads of different reasons. Like mm-hmm. Bob Dylan recorded there, David Bowie David recorded Bowie. there, you too, you too recorded there. Um, there was a ghost there. There was definitely a few fucking ghosts there mm-hmm. as well. And then years later, I don't know when they. I think they started in 2010 or maybe 2011. These filmmakers take it over mm. and decide they're going to start an actor studio, which became an actor studio, which became a course. Which now has becoming an act, has become an acting academy, which became a cult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's <laughs> that's not yeah, that's not untrue. But the um, we did we did meet in this place where they started a full time course where we were all going. I think it was four days a week, maybe five days a week, yeah. and uh, we're going in there every day acting. What was how did you get in? Did you just hear about it after coming back from London or? My friend from Galway told me about it, and he auditioned for it and didn't get it, and I felt very bad about that. Right. So I felt like... So okay, you went and got it. <laughs> I went and got it because we went together okay, on the day. Okay, right. And um, 
I always, I, I always felt bad for that. But um, I, yeah, I, it was such a, such a lovely experience though too. Like it was, yeah, there was so much going on. It was, it was, it was wild, and it, like I, you couldn't replicate that year again because Never. they were making up so much as they went along. Yeah, yeah. The guys that were running it, who were just filmmakers, they're not teachers. They make yeah. films like Lance Daly just did. Black Forty Seven and Kirsten Sharon is over in LA now yeah. writing movies and all that stuff. You yeah. couldn't, you couldn't write it. You wouldn't get those people together again. You Never know? again. No. And everyone was so unique too, weren't they? And mm. what they brought to the whole they, performance. They had such a a a um, interesting way of bringing people because they basically, I think you can look back at it now, and they basically chose people who were interesting to them on film, yeah, on camera. But none of us were trained, I don't think. No, but I think that's kind of what they like too because I think they were trying to kind of get away from people who had spent a long time doing theatre. That's right. You remind me about bloody every argument we had every day day there, really. (laughs) Yes, Yes. yeah, because the truth of the scene and all that stuff. But it it was kind of... um, Yeah, everyone differed in their opinions too. Like I remember we were talking about Drive one day and and we were very divided because obviously Gosling and Drive is quite... Uh, moody or kind of maybe monotone in that sense like he you know um and some of us were like it's amazing it's exactly what they want us to do here and then there was another side of it where it was like but he's not doing anything (laughs) how how little can we do and still be fucking interesting on camera and actually i found that quite difficult leaving the factory okay i a lot of feedback i would get is can you do a little more <laughs> and i was yes. like no no I, no no i've been trained out of that now yeah and i don't know exactly what i'm supposed to be doing that was definitely the problem of it because you were you, you, they definitely started a style of actor that came out of there 100% and it's, uh, there was a, there was a group of us then going around that were able to <laughs> act for film and um like and every casting <laughs> casting director was going what is going on you're not you're not doing anything <laughs> But, no but, but we'd be, but we, you got to remember, we were going on watching us. Casting directors were not even watching us on the side screen that we were watching ourselves on. Yeah. So we would go in, shoot on a camera. This is nuts. And then go in next door where there was a cinema screen <laughs> and we're watching ourselves on a 40 foot screen. Yeah. And all I could ever see was my eyebrows because they were constantly going. <laughs> and now when I look at my uh, audition tapes, I'm like, oh man, I, I really need to move my face. I look like I'm just staring the person out of it. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But no, but finding that balance is quite interesting. Um, I think it's a great starting point because well, true. because I think if you can't the starting point is the ability to be able to be to be in front of camera. Yeah. And the average actor can't do that. Yeah. And I suppose it's starting from the opposite side of if well if you were to have been trained for theater because mm. it's just your starting It's emotion, minimum. it's energy, fill the room, yeah. blah blah blah. Yeah. But then they go in front of a camera and it looks god awful. Just too much. Yeah, it's all too much. Yeah. Whereas the starting point if you can start from nothing and then build it up. I think Killian Murphy said that as well about himself on camera. Oh, did he? When he came into the chat with us. That was the kind of place it was. Killian Murphy came in and did a chat. Danny DeVito did. <laughs> Danny DeVito came in. Yeah. And I'm the biggest It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia <laughs> fan now. And I'm like, I met him. He's just the coolest guy. That's right. Yeah, he was so cool. Oh, he took off his shoes immediately. That's right. He took off his <laughs> shoes. Remember he did the whole thing with the cup? He made the whole room watch him. He's like, see, it's all about doing something and being in there. If I'm going to lift this cup and he lifts up the cup and then he, he drinks it. And he was like, that's not interesting. But if I lift the cup and I do, and he paused for a slight second then drank and put it down see that was interesting yeah <laughs> and i was just like wow the tiny is. little <laughs> the tiny little subtle changes made it so fascinating yeah that's true and those are the little decisions that you see um, like amazing actors do on camera and you're kind of questioning why did he do that and i suppose yeah. 
I suppose that's sort of maybe it then. Is that it? Or 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 is that distracting? And should you be so in tune with their decisions that the decision making drifts over you and you just are them in that I think moment? the latter. I think yeah. I think <coughs> I watched um the Irishman recently and everything they do in every scene is so it's so dialogue heavy. Yes. But they yet manage to make every scene so interesting. It's fluid. <coughs> yeah, and they're doing something all the time. Yeah, that's true. Dipping the bread into the wine and, and eating. I was like, I was, I, saw, I watched it again. I saw, went and watched the cinema and then I watched it at home Yeah, with a bottle of red wine and bread. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Just dipping it in and watching I it. I was <laughs> the same. I'm telling you, when you, if you watch, have you seen The Sopranos? Yeah, love it. My favourite TV show. Me too. And when he, when, when Tony Soprano is eating, yeah, I got into this really bad habit when I was watching where I'd put pasta on. I'd put pasta on wow. and then I'd eat it with him. And I found myself actually chewing with my mouth more open than yeah, usual. The yeah. The way he'd breathe through his nose yes. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, wow. And, and he'd play with the with the pasta. Yeah, yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. heavy handed with yeah, it. So heavy handed. Uh, but there's something quite addictive about that, yeah. you know? It's like it, it's it's this deliciousness of like, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat this, but I'm really gonna eat this. Mm. Um which you don't really see on like more so French kind of they really enjoy everything, don't they? Like you, in a French movie, you could see them cook it, eat it, and clean up after themselves. Yeah. And, and then it's like, oh, that's half an hour of the movie gone. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But they would have had sex in the meantime. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> While everything, they're doing the dishes, <laughs> just the so gloves decadent. on, <laughs> <laughs> and they still make it look sexy. <laughs> but so, what are your memories of that year? I like, um, I look, I, I, I look back at it now and go, oh my god, look at uh, what everybody is doing. It's quite crazy. It is, I suppose, yeah. Like, as people, I suppose people don't understand. Like, there's people that were involved in that factory at the time that are in Hollywood. Yeah, that's like, true. Yeah. And not just one, a couple of people. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Barry Keown uh, was involved in the factory at the time. Do you know, Barry and I went in for a meeting with Kirsten after the first week mm. to say we don't want to do it. <laughs> I'm not surprised. And <laughs> I'm not surprised <laughs> with you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then I eventually said I would and he didn't and look where he is. <laughs> <laughs> that was um, his path, Stephen. That's you're absolutely on yours. No, I'm joking, but <laughs> you're not surprised. Yeah, I remember Kirsten going to me going, look, if you want to go start a coffee shop, fair enough, Stephen. <laughs> Isn't that amazing, though, that you had the balls to sort of have that idea? Was to to start a coffee shop? Yeah, but also when ev- when everyone there was so many people sort of like oh this is the best thing in the world because you know obviously parts and movies are kind of coveted on it. There's this sort of thing of oh I you know it's such a hard business to get into. I always found that quite endearing when people just had these other other dreams alongside that one. I never respected. It. I never put. A, I never. I've definitely been competitive about it. Yeah. But I've never, I've never respected it on that level that it was just like that. It was the be all and end all because I don't respect people that then because I because I've seen what it looks like. I got picked up with Druid and having mm-hmm. done no acting at all, I went on yeah. tour and I saw stuff on that that I was like, well, I don't want to fucking be around that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, or people the way people were in the in the industry mm. through because you meet like not even people in, on in, because you know people from the business come out that aren't involved with it and it's just like all this I know. fakeness and going I, on and I you know what and that's that's maybe the biggest chip on my shoulder I've had um we are very alike Elba. I think yeah. we might be <laughs> I I I told you know Sheila Moylet that oh. I yeah. Sheila's coming on the podcast. She has She is the most amazing individual. <laughs> Sheila, Sheila. Sheila. <laughs> oh. But I talk to her all the time about this stuff and I I just uh I'm just sort of allergic to it all because I actually find it really hard to answer the question. What have you done that I that I would have seen you in? 
Oh, fuck off. But I actually find that really hard because mm. that's like, in, I mean, that's like me walking up to somebody who works in finance and saying, what business deals have you worked on? Mm. Or what clients do you have? And, mm. and I know it's not the same. And I know I sound like a gobshite when mm. I say this because like, oh God, God love you. But like, how the fuck do you answer that without going, well, and then you, it's almost like you get out this little scroll and you go, I've been in this, this, this. Mm. It's just weird because the question itself is sort of in my head, and this is the chip I have, of um, are you worth me talking to? Yes. Have you, have, you know, if I haven't seen what you've done, like, one, okay, so I answer this. Oh, I was in XYZ, and then you say to me, oh, I haven't seen that. Mm. And then it's like, oh, do I tell you another one now, or uh, should I should I just... How what? the fuck do you answer that question? Do you, did you find London very like that in your time that you spent in London? No, because I suppose stuff I was doing in London was more normal. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> <laughs> it was normal normal stuff. Right. Um, uh, yeah, I just... Uh, but yeah, and then the networking side of this is very, very bizarre. Yeah. And I hang out... Like, most of my friends aren't creatively. Like, they're not in this industry at all. And so they kind of ask questions like... Or especially, like, if you're seeing somebody and they kind of ask you, you know, so what, you know, what's the what's the industry like and rap parties and is it all crazy and cool and fun? And you're <laughs> like, it's something, mm. you know? And then you try and have the conversation, Then you know, I'll try and say, well, there's there's crazy st- shit going on and every, like all the Christmas exactly. parties that are happening now, I'm sure there's equally as mad shit go happening. To a, go to a fucking, well, go to the doll where they have their parties <laughs> and where they found cocaine on the cistern of the toilets <laughs> oh in past. You know, do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the same. Yeah. But at the same time, I do understand that there's a little bit more of um. I guess a performance with outside of the performance of being on set, like when you're when you're around people who are networking, it's it's very it's who, exhausting. Who you are, what yeah. you've done, what you're about to do, who you know, and it's just more in your face than maybe other careers. Yeah. I found, I just find it a little bit tiring. And there's the, the I think when the because you'll get it as a comic, you know. Mm. Oh, are you funny? You know, they'll always go, "Are you funny?" Oh yeah, I got asked the other day. Or else they go, "I don't, I don't think you, I don't find you very funny." It's like, oh. <laughs> well, I'm not turning it on right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, don't, I want you. You have to learn how to. You, I'm not saying you have to learn. I'm even talking about myself. Well, I don't this, think socially I'm able for that for it. But there's <laughs> there's one one has to learn the the. You know, I'm not putting myself in your hands mm. for judgment mm. for you to decide on whether I'm good enough or not good enough for you or um because it's so if the, if so literally my answer early on was oh have i seen you in, a, in anything i would literally go i don't know <laughs> i don't know what you've seen exactly <laughs> that's actually pretty good I'm that's gonna a genuine that. answer like i don't know what you've fucking seen <laughs> what can and make them go what kind of a question is that yeah where do you work in a bank well i haven't seen your banking <laughs> yeah. do you know? i like this oh, but so, so i'm literally like have i seen you in anything i go i fucking haven't a clue what you've seen have you and that actually puts them in their bar and they realize the ridiculousness of the question. Yeah, but I, I also don't blame them because it is sort of that. It is just them showing an interest too. Yeah. I suppose it, that's really the only thing to sort of ask, I guess. Yeah. Well, and then, but, but, then, but then they will go into, the, into, into that mode of going, oh, I am interested, so I will ask questions. And then it's kind of like, oh. Yeah. But then the last question is like, goodness, what, what's that like, you know, or blah, you know, that's a different question then, you know. Have you ever had the conversation uh, about the fact that actors and uh, comedians or whatever, people who are on stage in general, that they just like attention? Uh, I, I don't tend to get that a lot. Uh, but like, I, I do, I, I do hear people talking about that with yeah. performance and it is frustrating because. 
Yeah. How, like, what? How do you even... How do you attack Here's that? my theory from the therapist last mm. week within therapy. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be Maybe the next we podcast. don't know. Maybe we're the last people to ask. My... Uh, therapist came up with a brilliant analogy about things having happened in my past that Mm. have hurt me Mm. that meant that emotionally around my emotional heart there's concrete around it okay as protection Mm -hmm. and sometimes in order for the good performance stuff to happen um oh sorry sometimes in life what i'm learning is possibly not i'm not good at expressing feelings in the real world because this concrete is around because even as a kid i've just learned well that hurts so just fucking don't let that out there you see that sounds about right but then what the performance gives us and it's different for every individual but i find the performance gives me as an expression Mm. because the concrete's around there all the time Mm -hmm. that that's the one moment by whereby the concrete isn't there and I can express and I can let things out in yeah. a way that people in the normal world are doing all the time but that we don't get to. Okay. So that's why possibly you end up becoming a performer. And that's why I possibly became a comedian. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Is because I, I got to express stuff but I wasn't left in an emotional hole which mm-hmm. acting can do sometimes if you have to act out a dark thing or... Yeah. That can be too much for me and it's too vulnerable and the concrete is gone and I'm left on my own own, and mentally not great for days (laughs) after or whatever. Right. But the comedy, laughter is a buffer. Yeah. So I can be annoyed about something, but I can make it funny and the whole room is laughing and yet I've still got to express my annoyance at something. I get you. And even in therapy, she's like, I've made her laugh a couple of times and she checks herself and she goes back to serious and goes, she's like, okay, well now you're dealing with the situation by, by laughing, you're not talking about it. That's a really good insight to have. Yeah, she's good. That's only two weeks in. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. good. She's, she's good. not bad. But I, I think I, I. So this whole thing of looking for attention mm. is well, who isn't looking for attention in in life on one level? Especially nowadays. But online. you might be looking for attention because because you um haven't gotten you're you're not expressing yourself in the world on on a. Uh, on a real life level that you kind of need to express on that it's not so I suppose you are looking for attention on one level but it's becoming (laughs) from a but it's not a cry for attention no it's not like it's not a look at me attention it's like I'm fucking trying to say something here yeah I think yeah Um, and I never got because I see that in some actors for Mm. example the need to perform Mm -hmm. and I don't feel a need to perform me neither I feel a need to say something or to make something yeah that's very different. Very different. I think it's a it's a creativity versus um, yes. Well, I don't know if it's narcissism, but it's definitely on the. It's s- up there. It's, it's up a, there it's, with it's that. It's in that in that ballpark. Yeah, I I yeah I've I've met so many actors like I just want to be up. I don't give a fuck what the audience thinks. I'm like, well, well then, what's the point? <laughs> go fucking go well, act in the woods then. Yeah, it's a <laughs> communication between us all in that sense. Yeah. I, I think, and that's what good work does. I mean, it's um, it's inclusive, and it it's sort of. Maybe it's escapism, but mm. it's, yeah, it's a communication. I, yeah, I, I feel the same way in terms of, I feel like sometimes I have something to say that I can only do sometimes within a character. Mm. Maybe that's okay. quite similar to you in the sense that I'm maybe guarding something, but I did hypnotherapy. Yes, you were saying that. So for the for the panic attacks, I was like, okay, I'm actually completely at a loss now. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. And uh, I, I cut out coffee, even though I had one this morning. <laughs> Are you joking me? You I, cut out coffee. I've been off it for four months. I did. I yeah. had one. Today is the first time I've had one in a really long time. Because what? Because you're doing the podcast. 
No, I, do you know what? I really craved one this morning. Wow. I think I smelt it on the Lewis or something. I was like, I'm going to get one of those. Uh, but no, I've def- I've cut down on it big time. It's, it does. It contributes to anxiety for Absol- sure. I, I 100%. I didn't realize how much, uh, when I was doing, for example, intermittent fasting yeah. for a while, and you'd have coffee the odd time, mm-hmm. but the realization of having a coffee after maybe not of having it for a couple of di- days, you realize, oh my God, I've been living with anxiety in my stomach. Yeah for fucking years that's true uh, well, actually when I stopped in the coffee I remember two weeks in I was like oh yeah that thing in my stomach it's is gone. gone I just thought that was normal but it affects your heart it's a Course. stimulant so it's affecting everything really yeah. um, so anyway I went to this lady and I was like I have no idea what to expect and uh, do you know what I was actually probably more anxious going because I thought <laughs> what, she could get me to do anything like, <laughs> do you know why can't you see those hippos hair like quack like a duck like I, I don't want it quack um, but uh, the whole the whole thing really is getting into such a deep state of relaxation and she counts you down so she she she's quite visual um so she was saying you know pick this beautiful staircase there's 10 steps you know so it's surrounded by everything you love or you know pick you know kind of make it in your own head and she says with every step down with every you know one you're going to count from 10 down to one and when you get to one you're going to be in this very very relaxed state <coughs> the whole, so the she, whole all she does is say that. <laughs> That's all she says. And Jesus, and so you do go. <laughs> you do now. It takes it takes some breathing exercises, and it does. You know, it, there's other things that she's saying, and oh, and she gave me this recording to listen to before I go to sleep for like I think it was four weeks before I actually went. Oh. Because she wants her voice to be so relaxing and so right. familiar. That when it comes time to having the hour session, that you're already kind of programmed to relax to her voice. Wow. Um, so got in there and basically, yeah, she just, the easiest way to describe it is she took out or extra- helped me extract memories that were negatively charged, i.e. traumas. Uh, detached the emotion through whatever means I deemed um the best because you can speak when you're under right and then we would put the memory back but it would have no um emotion attached which i guess is i guess in a way she was saying it's sort of information so it's technically now wisdom something that was a trauma is now something you've learned a great deal from but you just don't feel negative about it anymore and do you do you physically tell her what it is the thing right yeah and and even though you're sort of under it's uh it's a really, really weird process. Like you're there. Yeah. You're, you're conscious, but your subconscious is 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 uh, predominant. Right. And so you're accessing things. And I remember, I was really shocked actually because obviously you're going to have reservations when you're doing something like that. And I remember thinking, is this working at all? Am I just like really relaxed and sort of just taking a trip down memory lane here? Yeah. And she said, okay, now we're you're in your kitchen or whatever. And I was, and I, I, in my old kitchen, and I remember, like, something I would never remember. I was standing at a certain point, in a certain door in the kitchen, and I turned to my right, in my mind's eye, and I saw an old Chinese calendar that was hanging. Do you remember those, like, Chinese calendars yes. that used to look like scrolls? Yeah. That, that you'd get, like, at a They're Chinese restaurant. They were in every restaurant. Chinese restaurant, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I saw this thing as it was, and that's something I would never have remembered. But it's there, it's all in there. Everything we've ever experienced is locked in there. And it is 
deep. <laughs> like it goes really far in. Yeah, I've I've a friend who's doing trauma therapy recently and <clears throat> the the kind of theory of that being that basically, you know, physical or emotional there's scars in your body yeah. everywhere. Mm. And uh, there's me- your body remembers it all over the place. It does. And, uh, and it does that to survive. Yeah. It's not working against you and I think that's the thing we need to well I needed to know was that whatever is happening physically with me it's doing it so that because it's it's try, it's rem- it's trying to tell me that compass. I need to learn or remember that something is there or that you know there could be danger ahead. Yeah, it is a compass. Yeah. But it I mean w- once it starts to rule you mm. it's time to figure out what's going on or what program has been previously tuned in and and how to get around it now and what has been the after effects of it oddly enough when i repeat some of the stuff that came up there's no anchor of oh i was you know this is this is my identity right i don't feel like i have to i don't feel like it's it's made me who i am i don't feel attached okay to a to a past event negatively or more positively it's just a fact it just happened it's the past it happened there's no identity in it which i feel like there's no victimization in it there's no hiding in it now and there's no i can't go say oh in in defense of myself at a certain point i can't say well this happened or that's part of who i am and no actually now i just feel a little bit more fluid in the sense that i can say no no that was an old program i can have a new program i can I can work from this same sheet. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't have to have such an anchor in the past. Um, and yeah, you can just talk about it normally and it's not like a thing. Is there great? So do you find that it's given you great freedom in your daily life? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, and the panic has stopped. <clears throat> now, you still obviously get anxious because you're still like, you know, navigating the world and there's things to be anxious about. But yeah. there's no like, I'm going to die. It's not, oh, yeah, it's not <laughs> overwhelming you. No, yeah. no. But when you think about it, it is. It's it's a survival thing. It's like uh, the gazelle running from the the cat. Yeah. In the wild, it's like they they have a chase, and if it gets away, it goes back to grazing. Like five minutes after, when its heart rate has decided to slow down, it realizes, okay, I'm okay, I'm safe. Um, but for some reason, we can't let that feeling go. That sort of, I need to be safe. I need to be okay. I need to protect myself need to survive like what are we trying to survive yeah there's no dinosaurs anymore Stephen. <laughs> like <laughs> all this cortisol has you know it needs to go it needs yeah. to go so yeah i found it very helpful that's amazing yeah that is amazing yeah what do you f- think is so you've got your single coming out in january with the, the city and us yeah what's the or is there a plan because like i'm not saying necessarily a plan but with with this in mind and the things that you've gone through and the feeling mm. of where you are the state of your identity morphing and changing and you're getting like freedom yeah you're enjoying life a bit more i, I that was i about that's what i wanted to say to you because i remember the time in the factory that we had <laughs> yeah. and how that was anxious and stressful for a lot of people because mm. we did turn up to this magical place but then there was this want to make it kind mm. of mm-hmm. and um I'm, I remember spotting that and kind of staying away from it. Yeah. Um, because I, you know, I could feel, I could see everybody else's anxiety <laughs> at the time. Oh, and also this weird competitiveness thing. Yeah. That's how it manifested, I feel like. Do you think it, it manifests? 
I remember in particular the week coming up to when we did our showcase, which was everybody just shot a, a two minute thing. Yeah. And all the agents came in and watched it and you'd get signed off the back of it or, or you didn't, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And the stress <laughs> that was going on in the building for that time. Yeah. And I remember going, this is what I'm doing, that's it. And I know I'm not supposed to do that and blah, blah. I did everything that we were told not to do, but yeah. I was like... What what was your performance piece again? I did... Um, I've never saw it as well because I know there was a big graduation day when everyone watched it. Yeah. And it was a big thing. I did uh, Nail by Mouth. Great film. And I rolled a cigarette in it and talked about my dad dying and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. cried. And that was <laughs> I feel like we all did quite yeah, dramatic yeah. pieces. I think Jim Sheridan said, Jesus Christ, <laughs> I like getting fucking hit in the head with a hammer after watching that hour and a half of people crying. Um, yeah. And as a result, he's not wrong. He wasn't wrong. It was heavy, man. Everybody picked some really Everyone was doing Shane Meadows stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No crack. No crack. <laughs> but Sheila did a comedy piece, didn't she? Oh, did she? I right, okay. Because I, I haven't seen them. I never saw them. How I, ha- come? I had to go to work that afternoon. Okay. See, again, you're like, that's too cool for school. Like, you were. I the, definitely you were wasn't that guy. cool. I did not want to go to fucking <laughs> make coffee for people, to be honest with you. But, but I. Um, but yeah, I just but but that was the real like I missed half of the Danny DeVito thing for the same reason. I had to cause the guy was going to sack me if I didn't fucking go to work, and I'm like, Danny DeVito's coming in, you cunt. <laughs> and I still had to go to work. Well, the second half of it was best. Yeah. Or, sorry, was it, were you there for the first or the second half? I think uh, I th- I think um, I was only <laughs> like there for actually middle of it. I missed the photo at the end and all that stuff. And well, the middle was the best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But there was great anxiety around that time of people wanting to make it. And loads of people did. Yeah. And they chased it. Um, But I look at you just from, we've just come in contact again recently on Instagram, Mm. weirdly that, I don't know, for whatever reason, uh, hadn't chatted to each other in in all these years. And I've been watching your videos and listening to the city and us just to kind of get a vibe of where Elva's at now. And the thing that struck me massively, and then we had a brief conversation through voice messages the other day, (laughs) was, my God, does she sound calm <laughs> and I would did I get that completely wrong but I do I do seem to get a joy in in where you are in life now and it seems to come yeah. out through your work and a peaceful joy it would seem it's an interesting thing that yeah that you picked up on on cam I'm not sure if everyone would agree right ca- about is cam. that just Instagram is that what I missed out on no <laughs> I know but I, I do I have I have in the last little while um just decided that I want to have more of a soft focus life I, I kind of enjoyed the idea of just sort of not having to to need as much control over and and what is making it and that kind of jazz. And I think everyone gets to that point because it's you know it's, it's it's such a big thing now. It's like you know float downstream. You know you know you know you're manifesting your life and don't be trying to like um, make things happen. But it's like I actually really understand. Maybe as an age, maybe I'm getting a little bit older and I'm kind of becoming a little less stressed about things but I do know what you mean that the the making it thing in the factory and it's that it's this career and I think it's because of I mean when you tell anyone what you do the first thing they're going to say is oh, it's a hard industry that yeah that's a tough one it's hard to get into yeah and and that's drilled into us from such a young age that we're sort of frothing at the mouth trying to get anything that's going to progress us and eventually you just realize, okay, but my worth isn't in that. I sort of have a lot more going on than just sort of turning out different pieces of work. There has to be more to life. Than, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Please, God. Yes, you know, <laughs> or selling your soul for something that's yeah. 
so fleeting. And then also you see people around you that are that are, I guess, um, very successful in that line of work or any line of work, and they still have their own issues. Yeah, they're not necessarily happy. I honest <laughs> to God, and I know that sounds so cliche. It's not at all. But it's, it's almost like if you're not sort of happy anyway, the gravity of that situation is just a little bit more daunting. Yeah. And there's more eyes on you. Yeah. And probably more expectation. And then you don't want to fall beneath because everybody like, you know, you know, when you when you do climb up, climb, uh, climb up the ladder. And let's say you're auditioning with people that, you know, people, other people might know or might might be a household name one week. And then the next week you'll be auditioning with, I don't know, you're up against Kerry Mulligan or something. You're going to constantly still have those rungs on the ladder that you feel like you need to keep climbing. Killian Murphy did say that when he came into Chateau's in the factory. He said mm. that never ends. It doesn't end. The worry about, about am I going to get another job or am I going to get it versus this person yeah. or am I going to make enough money? He's like, that never stops. It just gets more political as you climb. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'm worried about. That That's the only that's maybe where the calmness is coming from because it's like I'm, I can't be stressed about where I am and then be stressed when I get to where I want to be because that's inevitably going to happen. I was watching The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills Oh. and one was robbed. Right. And she's like, all of the my jewellery and, you know, there was sentimental value. Like, oh, grand, yeah, but it's mostly just because, like, everything is gone. <laughs> like, you're, yeah, yeah. You're all your Rolexes are gone. Yeah, yeah, it's the money that's gone. The money's gone and, and i mean you should see the houses that these people live in and the cars that they drive and the lifestyles that they live and one of them said we need to get away we need to get away and it really struck me where the fuck are you going <laughs> you live in luxury now yeah. obviously you know this is just part of the point of if you are living that life and it's everything everyone else seems to strive yeah to have where's this going away yeah what are you escaping? And do you know, it's like yeah, you're not, you're when not I get to this other destination, yeah, I'll yeah. be happier. It's like, well, mm. that's totally flawed. Yeah. Probably a little bit too deep. <laughs> no, it's, well, it, it is a cliche, but it's about the journey, not the destination, all that. And, but you're and right about, about meeting people who have, inverted commas, made it. And mm. they're still struggling with the same shit. Same anxiety stuff, yeah. The same, the same basic kind of... Human shite. Like literally somebody's annoyed you and that's a big thing. Do you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Are you falling out with somebody or... Or God you forbid know? you're in Ill, Ill health or somebody yeah, is Yeah, it's is all well. the same. It's all the same stuff or people don't like me or blah, 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 yeah. blah. It's all the same stuff. Well, that's a big one, isn't it really? Yeah. In this day and age. Well, not that many people don't like me. I'll Jesus. No, but <laughs> <laughs> that's a huge one, Stephen, isn't it? <laughs> no, I'm just saying like even on the Instagram front, it's like... Exactly. You know, I, people having an absolute fanny attack because they've lost... <laughs> fanny attack. <laughs> Lost, <laughs> <laughs> lost a couple of followers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel like that we um, that we've come to the end and we haven't started because this has been amazing. <laughs> oh, we'd love to have you on again if you're around. I'd love to. But what amazing conversation this has been. <laughs> So abstract, but like, yeah, yes. How yeah. did we even keep it on track at all? I feel don't like even know what we talked about. <laughs> to be honest, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but I felt it was good. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. Thank does. you so much for coming on. The City and Us new single is coming out in January. I'll put the Spotify link to the City and I, the City and Us. You're on Instagram at Elvatrill E L V A T R I W L to follow all the exploits of Elva and her. Um, acting and the music uh, that is going on it's fantastic it's a great instagram account um it's good it's good lols you know thanks man it's all you thank you so much for coming on thank you